Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Um, Today we are joined, I, I guess, on the last day of real session um with ivy riggs to kind of go over what does this last week look like morning ivy good morning thanks for having me is this like the last day of school ivy it well it's supposed to feel like the last day of school right they went and ruined it it's yeah it's supposed to feel like the last day of school today is the you know statutorily they have to be done by five o'clock today of session of regular set now we have to say regular session because if you'll remember what week and a half ago, they called a special session session to run concurrently uh, to deal with how the relief funds would be spent, right? So that will not end, uh, it it may go into the summer, it may go into the fall, Uh, they'll just meet as needed. That committee will meet. And then once the committee makes recommendations, they'll come back and pass those bills. That's, That's how I anticipate that working. It'll be just kind of hit and miss. But then there was another curveball that happened yesterday. Um, maybe you saw that the governor had a press conference yesterday afternoon late. And his uh, basic call was um, it wasn't enough. The budget wasn't enough relief for Oklahomans. Um, he may have mentioned 15 times how many Oklahomans. We have four, 4 million, just in case, in case we missed that. Um, anyway, uh, he called a special session to happen on June 13th. So we now have two special sessions. This is reminding me of 2017, 2018. I'm having flashbacks. The the year of perpetual special session. With X or double X. (laughs) Right. Thankfully, we have the opposite problem. There's too much money. There's plenty of money. And he said that multiple times. He feels great about the financial state Oklahoma is in. Uh, He thinks uh, we need to cut income tax. That's the one thing he thought they left out. And he wants the elimination of the grocery tax, which didn't actually happen. Uh, It got it got part way through the session. There are a lot of there's a lot of bipartisan support for that. Uh, Senator Treat wants Mm -hmm. elimination of grocery tax. Uh, To be honest, a lot of the budget gurus in the state don't want an elimination of total grocery tax. They want it to be targeted for low income folks. So. Yeah. People that can afford to pay grocery tax, um, most people want to uh, folks to still uh, keep doing that. Uh, with the increase, um, you know, the governor had a couple of charts and graphs and had the price of beef and chicken and eggs and milk and some of that just to show you how much groceries are costing right now. So the elimination of that tax would help every Oklahoman and then cutting the income tax. Uh, so um, he... Um, he doesn't agree with the relief bills that were written and passed out of the House and the Senate that every Oklahoman would get a $75 check and a married couple would get $150. So he's saying if we use that same amount of money, it can pay for the grocery tax and the income tax. So, And, and when we talk about, I, I think one of the key differences here is that that tax relief, $75 to $150, was one time spending right right versus how would this in how would the legislation that stit is proposing would that look differently 
Well, because it would be recurring, right? It wouldn't be a one-time check. He he did uh, every every Republican buzzword was used in the press conference yesterday. He talked about all four million Oklahomans multiple times. He talked about backroom budget deals and uh, not being in, included in the in the conversation. He said, um, you know, the the writing the checks and sending it to families was a Joe Biden thing. Although, if you'll remember the administration before Joe Biden also sent checks to families in America. So, you know, uh, we're here on them. Yeah, lots of lots of checks have been written lately. Uh, so, um, you know, however you feel about that, uh, there are a lot of our folks that want those checks. And there are a lot of our folks that say, keep my $75 and fund education. Yeah. So, so we've got we've gotten some mixed, uh, mixed results on that. Um, did the did the legislature? I know they talked about the grocery tax during the session. Mm-hmm. Have they have they brought up discussions about getting a red, about the personal income tax? And if they have, what are they going to do to offset that revenue? Right, um, right now they're saying collections are up. Now part of the collections that are up are sales tax and income tax. And so yeah. <laughs> if we're if we're eliminating it, um, you know, is is the rest of the sales tax that are not groceries? Um, you know, going to offset that. And, and, you know, I think uh, with inflation right now, surely there's a, there's going to be a wall to this growth in our economy, right? And so when it, when we do hit a downturn, mm-hmm. happens, we've seen what happens with, with state budgets when that, when that occurs. So in answer to your question, Ellen, uh, elimination of grocery tax and a cut to the income tax are recurring. So I say that's a different type of relief. His number yesterday was 450. Three dollars uh, to every family or every household. Um, if we average it, average. So not. Mm-hmm. Every but if you average what people spend on grocery tax and that percentage, I believe he's talking about a quarter percent. Uh, that percentage is four hundred fifty-three dollars versus one hundred and fifty at the max if you're a two-person household or two-income household. So. Um, most of the criticism of the legislature was that he wasn't involved in the process. He claims that he got the he got the budget at 8:45 on the night that it was made public. Um, several legislators, several Republican leadership legislators, tweeted about it last night and says that's not true. He was told he was included in February. So, you know, is the truth somewhere in the middle? Maybe I don't know. We're not we're not included in those conversations either. I think you're not in that room. You know, I'm not invited into the room. Oh. Not invited into the room, dang it. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a room I want to be in. First, numbers aren't my specialty. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some tough conversations happening in those rooms. But I, I don't like, envy the people making these decisions. But historically, how has that, how has that usually played out when it comes? Because I know they have spent a lot of time this year on the ocean project. Right. So historically... Um, budget conversations happen earlier. It's still not an early in session decision. You know, they just start earlier. But this year on into April, we were really dealing with strictly this big ocean project, which is the, you know, almost $700 million uh, giveaway, setting up an idea for a giveaway for, for, for industry to come to Oklahoma and, and create jobs. So, um, you know, whether or not we get the Panasonic battery plant in prior Oklahoma, that money is set aside to uh, recruit other businesses. 
So that took up most of the space and time for budget negotiations outside of regular legislative processes uh, until well into April. And so we did, I say we, it's the, the figurative we, uh, the folks making these decisions in these rooms really got a late start on the budget. And so it's typical that whenever they start, it's typical to get an agreement between the House and the Senate before they bring the governor's staff in. And then it becomes okay. a, a three-part negotiation. And so the idea that, that the governor's staff comes in late is not unusual. I would say the timeline is unusual because of the Ocean Project and how long it took. So um, there's probably a little bit of truth to what he said. I, I have a feeling it's hurt feelings and egos involved in in, in many of these cases. Um, he did veto a few things yesterday. He vetoed um, he vetoed the the hundred and fifty dollar checks, the seventy five and one hundred fifty dollar checks. So unless the legislature overrides those vetoes today, those will not happen. Um, he praised um, additional AG uh, Attorney General resources so that we can fight the government, the federal government, on things. He um, he praised law enforcement pay raises, trooper pay raises but uh, criticized private prison employee pay raises. Uh, so, so there are some things, um, there are some things that, that, that he thinks are good. There are some things that, um, you know, he didn't think were as good. Um, so we are right now, as we, so, as we're talking, I think you were, we're session is happening right now, right? I, I'm sorry, so I, I, I got to looking at my phone. Yeah, they are actually overriding vetoes as we speak. Yeah, they're overriding the financial disclosure in a, the tribal bill. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so that was that's how they're going to address. <laughs> and and the and the the alert that I got from another uh, fellow lobbyist, that was another buzzword used a lot. I'm one of those bad words. I'm one of those, <laughs> Ellen and I are those bad words. And um, the the message I got from a fellow lobbyist says, oh boy, the house is starting these overrides with great snarkiness to the governor. Oh. So I won't name any names, but evidently his name is is being brought up just like he brought up them. Yeah. So well, um, it kind of goes with what Speaker McCall said last night that 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 was inaccurate. I'm paraphrasing what he said. It was inaccurate information, and we will be uh, we will be addressing this in due time. So that took like eight hours to address. <laughs> and they did have to get through some special session stuff this morning. The House started late this morning because both caucuses went in. I mean, both both parties went into their caucus in the House, so they got a little later state start than they had initially anticipated. So I'm sure some conversations needed to happen in light of what the governor said and did. And, and to be honest, I will say this about Speaker McCall. I just know a little more about the House process. They're a little more open about it. He he does not make decisions without the support of his caucus. Mm -hmm. he, he, I, I, I would anticipate, I mean, I would guess that he went into caucus and, and leadership said, what do you guys want to support? And what do you not want to support? What do you feel good about going into an election season? And what do you not feel good about? So, yeah. so my guess is that's how those conversations happened. And, um, you know, I, I, I support that. So, um, so remind us, we talked about it last week. So the Senate would have to override those as well, right? Correct. correct. Okay. So, so typically how that happens is leadership I'm sure there's a text thread, just like we have a text thread in leadership, right? Yeah. What 
okay, guys, what do you what do you think your people are willing to do? What do you think they're not willing to do? And 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 before one side takes it up, my guess is they have agreement from the other side. The, the one time that they do talk across chambers and <laughs> right, right, exactly. And when we talk about these simultaneous special sessions, Ivy, mm-hmm. the one called by the governor. Yes. Right. So when they finally meet on on that. June thirteenth that he has called. Are they required to vote on anything? Is not really. Um, part of the press conference yesterday, there were a couple of press questions after. And and to be honest, this is all new. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know that I would have known this. I probably would have had to done, do a little more research. But a, a, one of the press and on on Zoom. I mean, I was watching it on YouTube, so I couldn't tell who asked the question, and it was it was a bit fuzzy to hear. But it was asked. What if they choose not to bring up these things that you're asking them to bring up? And he said, well, I can't make them do that. I can make them come and meet. I can't make them take it up. So there is a lot of talk. Twitter had a lot of opinions about it last night. Uh, Very bipartisan, a lot of experts, a lot of kind of wonks, political wonks. And then some some lobbyist uh, text threads that I'm on throughout the morning today are if they choose to override his vetoes in big part, my guess is they will not take up his other stuff because the costs I mean they would have to figure out where that money is coming from. So now, is do we have money? Yes. <laughs> so they can call themselves into special session. The governor can call themselves into special session and it, they have to list what it's for. They have to list, I, they have to list topics. That's so interesting that they can just like gavel in, gavel out and we're good. It, it is. And and we don't know that for sure. We don't know that for sure, but, but, um, you know, when you spend months talking about how much, you know, what you're spending money on and hundreds of millions of dollars, um, my guess is in two weeks, you're not gonna, you know, maybe in two weeks, we know about the ocean project. Maybe in two weeks, we know if we got the client. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there, there, there are some moving parts, um, and it's all pretty confusing. And I, I, I wish for our, for our listeners that I had more accurate info, but, you know, no one's giving you concrete stuff right now, to be honest, uh, conversations with legislators, you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts. Some of them, some of them have primary challengers, some of them don't. So you have a different comfort level with what you're willing to jump out there on. Uh, the governor yeah. was really critical of a lot of them yesterday. And so I'm sure uh, they're concerned about uh, the Oklahoma voter thinking they're doing backroom deals. Um, so I, you know, I, I, if, if, if my name were on a ballot and I had a challenger and, um, you know, a particular challenger, uh, that might make a difference in how I feel about what's going on right now. If I don't have a challenger, I might be able to say, you know what, governor? No. So, so I think everyone is probably having some real different feelings right now, mm-hmm. depending on where they are. I, I think one of the things I've noticed, this this has been such a unique legislative session, to be honest with you. It feels so like it's, it's been like five years, but um, <laughs> there has been this clear uh, line drawn in the sand over vouchers, now over the budget, with especially with the governor in the House. They, there is not a lot of love felt there. Um, it's been very, I, I think this is the most interesting signy die day. That I've, I've experienced that. It is because it's the not signy die day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is signy die, but with knowing more to come. Yeah. Now, by five o'clock today, we're going to know if they override all of his vetoes or not. 
we're going to know what they've picked and chosen to override and what they've not chosen to override. I think the one to watch is the one that says his cabinet has to give financial disclosures. Yeah, that's that's very, one of them. I'm very curious to to see whether uh, whether they decide to kind of throw down that challenge. So, uh, so to be clear, that's that those overrides have to happen today by five o'clock. Correct. Correct. Mm. Overrides and vetoes aren't happening in special session unless the bills ran in special session. So gotcha. anything gotcha. That, that happened in regular session must be uh, really resolved today. Well, and it's 11.33, so. I, yes, I, I, Catherine, I was thinking the same thing. I listened to a podcast where they give time updates, you know, yeah. so that people know <laughs> the information you hear is accurate until about noon today. Yeah. Right. And if they don't take a lunch break, they'll get, uh, you know, revolt from the troops. So, you know, you have to figure the the, yeah. the, the minutes are ticking. Yeah, this is fascinating to watch and listen it, to. It is. I will say for the political process, it's fascinating. It's frustrating. Um, I think most folks wish it was a little more open and, and conversation happened a little more openly. Um, but, you know, and, this, this is what it is. And I will say, for the most part, the majority of people are left out of the budget process. Absolutely. I talked to a member of the Republican caucus walking in back into session one day last week, and it was the day of the special session calling. And I just said, hey, what do you know? I was not specifically acting, asking about anything covert, <laughs> nothing secret. And he said, Heck, I don't know anything. And I'm in this caucus. I just walked out of a caucus meeting where we thought we would learn things. We did not. So, you know, that's that's one guy's opinion. And and but but I think it was um, gosh, I don't know if it reinforces scary feelings or good feelings, but we're not the only ones left out of the process. And you can only imagine there are 101 House members. Can you imagine if you're trying to write a budget with 101 people? So so small groups are necessary. We, we run things through committees here at OEA. Yeah, Negoti so, school negotiations is a small group of people. Right. Yeah. So, so you know, it, it is all not nefarious. <laughs> it is all not, um, you know, I, I don't think we have to think the worst all the time. But but year after year, you do kind of, it is called to, to our attention about how few people are really involved in this really big, almost $10 billion yeah. budget. And do you... Are there any like big takeaways that come up year after year of what people would want to change about the process of the budget process? Yeah, I mean, if I were just going to summarize just conversations throughout the Capitol, and that's folks that work there, folks that are elected there, and those of us who who go and, and try to lobby for our for our people, um, I would say we wish it was um, started earlier so that uh, there could be more real conversation around it. Um, I don't think we're ever going to have it be a larger group and it happen in public. I don't think we're ever going to see that. But I think if if I were to do one takeaway, it would be that um, even though it is a small group that that write it and and you know a lot a lot of those guys do get input, and so it really is a bigger process if you look at who each subcommittee chair is getting input from to take it to the bigger group, to take or to take it to the smaller group. But I would say the takeaway is um, they wish it um, happened sooner. And so it didn't seem like this, you know, panic. We see it tonight. We have to vote tomorrow. 
So think we think about it, the agencies come in early, our state agencies come in early and do a budget right before session in many before, cases. Yeah, and present what they need for their budget. And then is there is there kind of this push and pull that you kind of almost have to wait towards the end because you have to see what legislation you passed and if there's funding, is is there kind of that piece to it also? I think that is part of it. I think that I think an argument against that could be um begin writing it soon and then maybe we don't vote until the end. Maybe you mm -hmm. have a budget time frame of the session, mm -hmm. if you will, but but that those conversations and, and transparency happen maybe a little bit earlier, I'd say mm -hmm. if I, if there's one general recurring complaint, that would be it. But so you're this, right, Catherine. It, 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 this ocean project took up all the money and yeah. all the space. And so we weren't writing a budget without getting that passed. Right. I get it. I also think just from general public, you know, they don't have an definitely don't have an opportunity to weigh on the process to inform their legislator whether they approve or don't approve of the budget. Like definitely very little constituency um, feedback during that process. Right. So I think my comment to that would be if you have general concerns about areas of our state budget that are underfunded, be talking to your legislator all session long, all year long, wow. frankly. Uh, pay attention to what we're talking about in interim studies. If there's something that you think uh, needs further study, you know, we got involved in a, in a study, uh, interim study last year about support employee, support employee pay raises because we, uh, we know that's a thing. And, and we will not, I mean, that didn't make it this year. Uh, we got a law. Uh, you know, a bill written about it, and it just didn't get very far. So, um, you know, just having those conversations. Um, how many years have we heard about the uh, waiting list, the sometimes yeah. decade waiting list for, for adults with disabilities? Disabilities, yeah. For the first time since I've been here, they donate, they they put two hundred million dollars into that. That's huge. Yeah. But, that, but that's ten years. Mm -hmm. So, so I, you know, uh, Ellen, I, I agree with you. And I would say um, your average Oklahoma voter is not a part of any of that. So you just have to do what you can to let the person that you vote for know what's important to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just kind of wrapping up, we also, you kind of mentioned primary season. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're, we are, you know, that's, they want to get out so they can start knocking doors and, um, and then this, this is the first time that we will be voting based on our new districts that have been drawn. Right. Correct? Every 10 years. Right. So, so we did the census, they redistrict based on the census, lots of rural districts grew because you have to try to balance out how many uh, constituents you have in your district. So a lot of rural folks grew a lot of, uh, suburbans shrunk because there's more people packed into a to a given area so um in our update on saturday um ellen has uh, has been kind enough to kind of explain that process and how do you where do you go to find out uh, several of our colleagues said oh i got new voting cards in the mail my new voting registration showing that i'm at a new precinct so that made us all start looking and thinking so my representative changed my senator did not and, and so we kind of started going around you just here at OEA and just just uh, anecdotally, our little small population here, a lot of people changed. So we thought, oh, goodness, probably throughout the state, this is going to be a bigger deal. So um, for the first time in 10 years, 
uh, the state of Oklahoma has redistricted. So um, you may have uh, new folks to vote for, whether someone's terming out or not running again. I do but, not. But even but even if they aren't <laughs> terming out or voting, uh, the, the area might have changed. And uh, the precinct, uh, where yeah. you go to vote. So we don't want you to wait until voting day, which happens to be June 28th. Yep. Your primary, there's an Oklahoma voter portal that you can go to to show your sample ballot to see what you have to vote for. It could be city council stuff. It could be school board stuff. It could be, I mean, not school board stuff. That's not true. That doesn't happen this time of year. Um, I digress. Uh, you could have a lot of changes. Yeah. And I, yeah, I went and looked at mine and I had a ballot initiative that I didn't know was going to be on there for our city ballot. So, Ooh, right. Right. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I, just recommend people look it up and check it out. And so you can be informed whether you want to do it beforehand as an absentee ballot and sign up for that, or if you want to do it afterwards and right. vote on voting day, but now you know what you're voting on. And, yeah. and my, my big ask would be, look at your vacation plans. Look at when your kids yes. are in camps, look at, yeah. look at what your plans are. If you're going to be at the lake, I'm jealous, but good for you. But <laughs> also if you need to get an absentee ballot ballot, so your voice can be heard. Please don't let that pass you by. Um, those are those are available almost right up until the primary. So so you can start to make those arrangements now. Um, but that primary is really, I, I think, in Oklahoma, um, like other primarily red states, this is this is really important. So many of our elections will be decided in the primary. So many elections. So the the primary election day is June twenty eighth. And the runoff for that. So some of our some of our primaries have four and five people in them from the same party. Yeah. So so the likelihood of one person getting the majority is pretty slim when you have a lot of people in that primary. So the runoff for that is August 23rd. So we have a kind of a big jump. Most of us are back in school by then. So you're at least home. But to stay involved and do your research, uh, we are hoping to put out um, around the first of the month. Um, uh, some information about those primaries, about those folks, even in races that uh, that our PAC decides to uh, not get involved with. So you just kind of know what's what's going on. Yeah. And if somebody needs to change their address, um, change their I don't party affiliations too late to change right now. Correct. But when when can um, when can you sign up to is that still I was looking at you can still register. Register yeah. to vote. Register to vote. You do you still have time to register to vote? Yes. You do. And you, you do. can do okay. that online. I don't yeah. remember the deadline, Ellen. Do you know it? I I don't know off the top of my head, but that will be in the email update. We have okay. kind of a breakdown okay. of all of those specific dates. Yeah. Look for your email this Saturday from me, and we will have all of those key dates, links to where to go to make those changes, to see if you've got changes, where to check your ballot, all of those things. Yeah, I know that. Um, the primary day is like the day before we have to leave for the NEA representative assembly. So okay. I've already gone online. You can even say you want absentee for the whole year. Uh -huh. You can do it that way. But I just, I like, if I can be voting in person, I want to vote in person, but I don't want I do. to risk it this year. And yeah. so, or this primary. So I'm definitely, I signed up for uh, absentee. Awesome. Well, thanks Ivy for those updates and we'll definitely be bringing everyone an update next week. Yes, there, there, I mean, 
it may be short and sweet, but there will still be some updates because like we said, it's 1144 on the very last day and they are still very much in it. Well, let's take some time and catch up with Catherine. Uh, you know, Ellen, we were just uh, on the podcast today, we had Ivy on and we were we were talking at the very end about the primaries and when when to register. Hey, we just found out June 3rd, you can still register to vote. Until Perfect. June the 3rd, go to the uh, Oklahoma voter portal. Um, I got my absentee ballot signed up, ready to go um, for the, the, the primary on June the 28th. And we want... So, this is so important to get registered and get out and vote. It is the one time, you know, we were talking about the budget and not having everybody's opinion. It This is the time to have your, your opinion heard and it's at the ballot. And we want you to do that and get involved and elect, elect candidates that are going to support public education. I know that's our, that's our, our major push and uh, we hope that you do that. And then um, I know we have a lot of information on our website. Every every three years, Ellen, um, as the president appoints committees, we have 16 standing committees at OEA and it's a way that we get our members involved and everything from the budget committee, uh, human and civil rights, we have a committee on member benefits, resolutions, we have 16 of them and they they take a span. And we've already, um, when Carrie and I took office in July, we made initial appointments, but we're always going to have vacancies. And we always need to make sure that every part of our state is represented uh, geographically, demographically. And so we do have some openings on committees. So uh, if you would like to serve on a committee, please go to our website and you go to okea.org slash committees. And fill out that form, even if there's not um, availability in your area, sign up. And because when if there's a vacancy, I pull those lists and uh, start looking for people to replace. And Catherine, if someone's like, I don't know if I have time, what what would a time commitment be you know, like for a committee? You know, we like to always say it this way: it's just a meeting every once in a while. Um, <laughs> but specifically for our committees, we have two committee meetings a year and it's called committee Saturday. And one uh, is on in the fall on a Saturday. We uh, first thing we do when we set our calendar, believe it or not, we pull the OU and OSU football <laughs> schedule. So we um, always set a time for committee Saturday. That's not, doesn't conflict um, with, uh, we look at holidays, we look at fall break, we look at football schedule. So we always try to find a date that it's not. Um, we always, um, for the last couple of years, the last couple of years, our committee meetings have had to be virtually, but this year we have one scheduled for in-person in the fall and then a virtual one in February. And so those committees come together and uh, the, it's the president's responsibility to create charges for those committees. So they have charges that specific items that they're looking at and addressing. Um, and so, you know, legislative is a hot committee, too, that uh, they look, they create the, our legislative goals and our legislative agenda for um, our, our members and what we pursue in the legislative session. And then, you know, we did a lot of it last year. We had, um, we had special sessions around the OSAT, the Oklahoma State, um, it's the subject area, this Oklahoma subject area test that um, whether you're a beginning teacher 
or alternative certified, or you've just got your master's in a different subject area and you have to take that subject area test, that is available. We have study sessions, virtual study sessions, and they are presented by professors from uh, Northeastern State University. They're online, they're virtual, they're easy to access. Those sessions are for the different subject areas and it's on our website. It's from June the 7th to July the 19th. They are covered and those are free for our OEA members. And then also we're bringing back, we received a grant through NEA and we provide a code for you for those tests and it's $60. And so it's wow. half it's half of the test and you get a code. So you don't have to like pay for the whole thing and then get reimbursed. It just takes $60 off the test um, amount and that uh, we have heard repeatedly the study sessions are helpful and being able to just have some relief on the cost of that test is really important. So go to our website, okea.org slash O-S-A-T, OSAT. And you can find more information, get signed up for those study sessions, um, get your code, um, get signed up for a code. Um, when you schedule those tests, we wanna make sure that we are helping our members out. And this is your dues dollars coming back to you in Oklahoma. And you know, Ellen, it's uh, the end of the year. And uh, not, not the way we wanted to end the year. No. Not a, you know, the end of a school year is supposed to be fun. And everybody's excited for the summer. And uh, it, 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 is, uh, it is so sad what has happened this last week. And the loss of lives, uh, students' lives, teachers' lives, um, the impact that it has made on the whole education community is um, we, are, we are all grieving um, because when you affect one, you affect us all. And um, our thoughts and prayers are with our colleagues at Robb Elementary, Uvalda School District, that community, um, as, as they... Um, tackle this challenge that they have. Um, our job as uh, school professionals is to make sure that our, our learning environments are safe, our working environments are safe, and uh, we will make sure that we keep that commitment. And, um, and so I just, you know, for everyone, for everyone, if uh, this is hard. Uh, please reach out. Please reach out to if you have um, an employee assistant program in your district, reach out. Reach out to colleagues. Reach out to friends. Um, this, this is hard on all of us. And so we just send our thoughts and prayers to our colleagues and, uh, and um, know that this is a struggle that we will continue to go through. Um, but uh, our, our babies are our babies, no matter how yeah. small or tall they are, they're our babies. Yeah, and and I appreciate your OEA's, you know, commitment during these hard times to raise up, you know, the struggle that we all have, you no, know, if it's in our district or not, that we have a commitment 
to ensuring that this is that school is a safe place for all kids. Yeah, yeah. So. we just we just want everybody, you know, this summer take time, take time for yourself, take time for your family, take time for your friends. Um, it is we it just reminds us how precious everything is, and we we want you to have a wonderful, uh, even if it's a week before you start summer school session, <laughs> take some time and have a wonderful Memorial weekend mm-hmm. and, and celebrate um, our holiday. And thank you. We want to thank Ivy for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Miller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcasts at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.